join me, brothers and sisters, in extending a war in Washington, D.C. I told you he wasn't going to let up. Yeah, back in the building. Another week. episode of 2015 16 thought i was playing we coming out every week dre i don't know what they thinking man we not playing yo for real and shout out to everybody all our new listeners our new followers like something is working here i feel like you know the race only goes to the consistent you know what i'm saying so you gotta be consistent that's the only way we gonna win so if we keep doing this thing every week constantly it's bound to catch on it's, it's working yo with that being said, man, we got a very special episode this week, man. Thank y'all for tuning in once again to Black Broadway Podcast. Yo, I'm honored. It's my privilege to have my friend, the lovely, dynamic, Miss Danielle Strickland of DC Clipper Repair. It's so much more that we're going to hear all about, right? Correct. So, yo, just say what's up to the people, Danielle. Shout hey, out. folks. How are you? Hey, look. Thank you for being here, Danielle. You're thank welcome. you for being on the show. And like I said, y'all, man, we gonna have this is the show about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart, yo. This is this is my game right here. This is what I do: cutting hair, being a barber, just the entire game of the barbershop. Like y'all don't understand the, the shit that I've seen and experienced and dealt with in the barbershop and the, and the things that this has done for my life and like the position it just put me in. Like yo, we, we wouldn't be doing this right now. If it wasn't for my career as a barber and the places that it's taken me. And we're going to talk about all of that as well as give y'all some extremely needed pieces to get yourself in the game with somebody that you love or somebody that you care about, somebody that's under your guidance. Yo, for real, there's a way to put people in this game and really change their lives. Like, it's done me, you know what I'm saying? And, like, we want to give y'all all the pieces. And not only can we get you in the game... But it ain't going to cost you nothing but what? How much? Zero dollars. Nothing. It costs nothing. Like, free 99. Free 1,000. <laughs> it's for the free 1,000 out here. And we're trying to put y'all on, man. Listen, if you're a D.C. resident, if you live anywhere near or around D.C., like, this is the program for you because we're going to put you on and give you the pieces, get your eligibility together, and get on. And guess who the teacher? Miss Danielle Strickland. <laughs> one of the head instructors. She gonna give you the whole story, yo. So this is the Barbara episode, man. So I guess before we get into this episode, we gotta have our little, we gotta have our stories, right? Is it, first week of 2016 was out of control, yo. Like some, a lot of shit happened. Like shit was crazy. Um, what the fuck jumped the oh man? The first and foremost thing. Goddamn skins lost, yo. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, yo. 
I mean, we all watched the Tony and said in here. We dealing with this shit. Like, yo, it was cool to see. The city was up. We, we, was made it we was lit. We made it to the play. We made it to the play. Oh, I hit that shirt. <laughs> but at the end of the day, though, it can only be one Super Bowl champion. So I already know how this whole thing goes. I was go. a little disappointed. Yeah, me know. too. I was like, man, what the fuck, man? I was man? glad we made it this far, you know? So. Yo, but I mean, I ain't, want, I ain't like the way we went out, man. It was, we was painful. It was a little... Painful. I ain't really yeah. like that, man. We, was, we weren't supposed to lose about 14. We kind of gave it up, gave it up yeah. at the end, yo, man. You know what I'm saying? But... It was good to ride that wave for a minute. It was good to have a show where I was able to talk shit <laughs> and say that my team won the NFC East Championship. You know? I'm still going to do it. Hey, you know, we still out here. Yo, best thing I got out of this whole thing, man, one of my co-workers, man, big shout out to Daryl, man, gave me the You Like That Towel. <laughs> I didn't even go to the game, but I, I got a You Like That Towel. So, yeah. hey, I'm good. Like, I'm icy. Yeah. I will always remember the 2015. <laughs> you like that. You like you, you like that. Right. Take it to the grave with you, Kurt, man. You really did that, yo. What else jumped up? Oh, man, son, they caught El Chapo again. Again. That kicked off, man, all crazy. He got El Chapo looking crazy out here. But crazy. What about Sean Penn, though? Man, crazy with him. Sean Penn might be a snitch. He might be a snitch. Not to mention he wrote a god-awful article. <laughs> like... That, did you read that, Joy Trey? Yo, it was ridiculous. Well, what about the shirt? Yo, the shirt was lit, though. Like, let's let's not take away from the shirt. The shirt was fun. You don't like the shirt? I don't like the shirt. Hey, Chapo's shirt was like that. Listen. Hey, look, Black Broadway, we need y'all feedback. I feel like El Chapo's shirt was, was on a billion. Like, I don't want to see anybody if, I know with that shirt. I don't know. If I owed a billion dollar cocaine cartel, I might wear that shirt too. Like, that might be my outfit every day. You know what I'm saying? And I'm on the run. And I'm being Sean Penn. I'm sure he took he took some time to pick that shirt out. That know? shirt might help get him caught. That shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and see, it's like, yo, this motherfucker got this shirt on. We, he looking too good. We gotta get his ass, yo. But nah, Sean Penn, like, he was out here slipping like you know, they got the Mexican government got wild pictures of Sean Penn at like the airport floating through, doing this, doing they they was following him the whole time and it's just like That's crazy. But wait a minute, if you get snitched on for an IG or Facebook post, mm -hmm. what you think they gonna do to you in real life? True indeed, yeah, you're right. I mean El Chapo was trying to do the ultimate Doing it for the grab. He was going to do it for the, the silver screen. <laughs> he was going to do it for the cinema. Like, this nigga shot. He's doing it for Lifetime. Like, yo, I'm about to have my old AMC movie B. Sean Penn is going to direct. It's going to be the shit. Like, come on, come on, come on, bro. You got to slow down a little bit, Chapo. But, you know, hey, you know, it happened. I, I mean, what's the odds? What you... What you like? How long is El, El Chapo going to be in jail before he escapes? I, I, I give him six months. Six months? Six months. Oh, no. I feel like he can't embarrass him like that again. again. So I'm going to give him like 
for real, like a solid year. I was going to say about a year. Yeah, like a year, maybe like a year and a half to just let this whole thing blow over. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, as soon as they start slipping again, Chapel <laughs> going to walk smooth out yeah, the front door. He's walking out the front door. Like, <laughs> right, like with no problems. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Mr. Guzman, this way. <laughs> so like, that's like, that, that's how I feel about that whole Chapel thing, man. But yo, Sean Penn better, you know, watch his back though, because he, you know, snitching is not taken lightly in the in the cartels, you know, and it's like it's unintentional snitching, but it's still snitching. But he had he had help though. Yeah, he was One sloppy. They were sloppy. Own. She yeah. helped him out. Exactly, yo, no, she just wanted she wanted to get on too. Yep. It was sloppy, man. It was sloppy from the top down, and I just don't appreciate it, right? Come on, Chapo, man. You know, you know what you do. You know better, Chapo. You know better. You know better. <laughs> what else is going on in the, in the first time of the year? Oh, yeah. Yo, last night, State of the Union, man. That was dope. Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States, last congressional address, man. Last State of the Union address. It was, it was really... It was kind of epic. It was it was actually a stunt fest. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was stunt fest 2015. Yeah. I was just like, basically, look. Michelle's was stunning. Michelle's stunning. Oh, my God. Michelle looked good, girl. Like, yo, did you see, like, the memes where it, like, had Michelle and it had, like, a picture of her face and she was like, it was like, when your girl come to, she was clapping, it was like, when your girl come to watch you play ball and you show it off. That's what it was good, y'all. That's how she looked. She just looked like, you know, like, look at Bay out there just dogging her. Tell her what you did, Bay. Tell her how you did it. So she kind of like set the whole thing off. Obama had some really, like, poignant moments, even yeah. though, like, if we being politically realistic here, you know what I'm saying? As a president, I, I still feel a lot unfulfilled by the presidency of Barack Obama. As a, you know, as a young black male, like, I'm not going to stand here and say shit got way better for me as Obama being the president. If anything, it got a little worse, bro. Like, well, let's keep it a buck. Well, you got to think about what we had before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, it was, it was, I don't give a fuck about y'all before. And now it's like, I give a fuck about y'all, but I just can't stop this shit. <laughs> like, no, listen, you know, that's, that's, that's I can't. That's real shit, that's real shit though. That is real yeah. shit. And I feel like, that is real you know, shit. a lot of people have a lot to say about Obama. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people, black people, you uh -huh. know, had a lot of high expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like yeah, this man, yeah. He's not, America, yeah, he's not going to save black people in America. So I feel like he, it has been progression, though. So black you cannot take so that. There's only so much you can do. There's only so much yeah. you can do. And then, you know, you have to realize that when a president gets elected, they're, they're cleaning up the, the previous mess or the previous deficit or whatever. You know, so, I, I mean, I think Obama, in, in his favor, did a pretty decent job. You know, I would definitely say he did a great job. But what I'm talking about is, like, you know, like you said, Certain people had certain agendas. And especially, like, we talk about black people. Like, we was like, yo, oh, we got black dude as president. There was a lot of expectations. Yeah, I and think so. I think they were unrealistic. I thought they were unrealistic from jump. 
Like my dad used to always be the main proponent of like, look, Barack Obama is not here to save black people. He's here to be the great pop. He's like the Jordan of politics. Yeah. Like he's like the best that he ever did, did that shit. He yeah. did it. Like he did that shit against all odds. He like he pulled did. off he the the greatest coup ever. You know what I'm saying? And like you gotta respect him for that and look good doing it. You know what I'm saying? Did it with style. Did it with grace. And I think that's more like the example on the positive side yeah. that he leaves. Yeah, you know, yo, we saw the girls glow up. Exactly. Hey, the girls glowed up exactly. out here on us, yo. Sasha and Malia like literally yeah, really, turned into young women. Like, uh, I remember I when they came off, it was babies, yo. You know what I'm saying? Like, I gotta say, man, you know, State of the Union got me a little tight because I just remember. Like in all the momentous things in Barack Obama's uh, presidency, yeah. like literally, I remember voting for this dude. I remember the night he got yeah, elected yeah. and won the elect. Like, yo, the you wasn't in D.C. the night that Barack Obama won the election. Yo, I just can't describe that shit. That shit was something that Animal. you'll yeah, never experience crazy. again. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? I just can't imagine that shit. I can't. I can't tell y'all what it was like to be like on. 14th of you standing on top of the bus stop wilding like walking we literally walked I remember it was kind of warm me and my homegirl we walked from um U Street to the White House oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying yo we just it was just so lit <laughs> people was in the street like yeah, it was people just, was like amazing it was like, nothing was like you couldn't drive you had to walk like it was crazy it was like, nuts people was, was crying yo it was a momentous yeah. occasion and then the first inauguration when it was the coldest fucking day <laughs> in the history of cold ass days yo I swear, I don't know if I've ever been that cold in DC before <laughs> or after, yo. It was the coldest day ever, yo. That shit was nuts. Get so, it, you know what I'm saying? Man. Like, the president, man, came through, man. Shout out to Barack Obama, man. Hey, yo, there'll never be another. So let me ask and you doing it twice. Doing it twice. Speaking of that, Mr. Mm -hmm. uh, Akil, huh? how about, uh, what I'm do like you think about Wale opening up? Oh, shit, the, yeah, you did say we had to bring out that. You now, did this, say let me ask you this. Is that. this the first time that an artist has actually opened up a State of the Union address, as far as we know? Look. As far as we know. I, I, a rap artist. Oh, yeah, definitely a rap artist, but I've never known. No, I'm just. Listen, I'm trying to formulate. How I feel about this, like in a good sentence. No, so I was no, 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 yeah, no, so I was trying to, I was trying to figure it out too. I thought you were trying to get me to talk about this. You know, <laughs> and then why Wale of all, you know, of all the rappers, like why was he chosen? Maybe because he. And then I read an article that said because he's DC prodigal son. That's what I read. All right, is that true? All right. So look, <laughs> so, so this is where we're going to start with this, all right? This is where we're going to start with this. We're going to start with positivity, okay? Right. We're going to start with Danielle, like, okay. I'm being quiet because I was taught if you don't have anything nice to say. Uh, see, oh, wow. and I, I can't do that because it's like the show is my responsibility. So if I don't say nothing, then we're just going to be sitting here looking at, looking at each other. Right? That's not what we're going to do. So here's what I'm going to say. I, I think it's great that he was somehow, some way, formally, and I don't know what that really means in this sense, but somehow, some way, he was literally attached to the State of the Union address mm -hmm. as a rapper. Yes. Like, that's fucking crazy, yeah. yo. Like, that just shows you how much hip-hop runs it's the right. world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, as far as his Washington, D.C. credentials or whatever, like, you know, there's, there's a discussion there. 
but what he represents is like this area. And this area lack representation. That's true. Now, when it comes down to the come down, do we all kind of like have our issues with his brand of representation? Yeah. yeah. But like, if they're going to call somebody up to introduce the president at the State of the Union, at the last State of the Union, and I don't know to what extent that was, because like, I'm, I still have yet to see it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched the State of the Union on like NBC. And I ain't see him like walk down the aisles with the mic like yeah, Justin yeah. Bieber, you know, when Floyd Mayweather come out. Like he wasn't busting, he wasn't busting the fifty cent move. So I was just, I didn't quite understand what that meant. However, I think it's momentous for hip hop, for for yeah. for the area, just to even be given that 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 deference. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, they could have, he could have pulled Kanye out. Right. You know what I'm saying? He could have he could have asked home for somebody, yeah. huh? and nobody would have been bad at that. But, but he he, first he deferred. First. Yeah, he deferred to a guy from the area. I did see the little um, Instagram of him shaking Joe Biden's hand. I thought mm-hmm. that was dope. That was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I'm not here to sugarcoat this shit. I'm not a fucking Wale fan, and I don't feel bad about that. Me but at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm really happy that son is like doing this thing. I'm happy that he's like getting whatever he's getting in the industry. I don't really feel like it's my job to like, you know, evaluate his shit. Like, if I don't like it, I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? That would be like me sitting around evaluating a person I don't like. <laughs> All I have to do is not listen to it. Like, and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a couple of joints though, like I said, that he has that I like. So, there's that. But um, I think that it was dope that he was even in any way involved with that. Yeah, I just think that that was dope. You know what I'm saying? So that was the whole thing. And yo, while this is segueing perfectly into the last thing I wanted to talk about, like I really wanted to talk about. So y'all know I'm like a Twitter head, right? Danielle, you rock with Twitter? I do. Yeah, I I like Twitter. Like Twitter's, of all the social networks, Twitter is my favorite. Because Mm. One, I'm a nerd. It's not my favorite. It's my favorite. I'm a, a nerd, yo. I like, I like to read. It's a lot going on. It is, but there's like, I think there's like a certain type of like ADD you need to have to <laughs> right. rock with Twitter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like every time I'm like just reading more and more funny shit. And Sunday, it went <laughs> up, bro. So I, I, I say, yo, I gotta talk about this shit on the podcast. Sunday, Yo, the regional slander on Twitter was the funniest. Okay, so let me, if you're not hip, let me inform you. Like, people like to get on Twitter and bust all kind yeah, of jokes yeah, about, and there's no chill on Twitter. Like, no shit that people would never open their mouth up to say, <laughs> they don't seem to have any problem typing. Exactly. Like, Twitter oh my God, that. Twitter figures don't ever fail, yo. People say the craziest, wildest shit. And here's the thing. I think at some point in time, the conversation just twisted to, like, slander in New York, which is funny. And I'm going to tell you why New York slander is always funny. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because everybody been in New York, all right? And, and, and New Yorkers take it so harshly, at least on Twitter. Yeah. They take it so tight. Yes. And, it's, and it'd be funny to me because it's like the only reason niggas can even slander your city is because they've been there. You know what I'm saying? Or if they ain't been there, then they heard so much about it that they had time to create these jokes. Yes, New York is no other city like New York. It's no place like New York on the planet. On the planet. But, but 
at the end of the day, everybody know that these jokes gonna fly when it's time for the jokes to fly. So a lot of people got in their feelings from New York Twitter and they started letting the jokes fly about the other regions. And see, here's my thing. I'm from D.C. So, like, I done heard it all. Oh, my God. We don't, and we don't give a fuck. Nope. Like, they slander us. They say all type of wild shit about us. We don't care. We don't take it personal. We don't take it personal. Like, like, so what? That shit is funny. Yes, you're right. Niggas do wear new balances. And, you know, Helly has his sweatsuits now. Like, yo, the DMV slander was hilarious. And the Andrew Jones will never go out of style. Never. Never. But, but the New York crew, they stopped firing off the slander bullets, and everybody was catching strays, yo. They like, Atlanta. Oh, man, I feel like Atlanta got the worst of it. Like, <laughs> yo, it was terrible. The Atlanta, sh- the Atlanta jokes was too fucking funny, yo. I can't even... I wish I could really like have time on this particular program to read all these tweets, but I just say like one of the funniest joints. Like this is a New York joint. I'm I'm gonna give everybody a joint, alright? Okay. So the New York joint that had me dying was like New York niggas don't wear socks. They just wear a smaller Tim inside of a picture. <laughs> I said, I can't with these dudes. <laughs> he says some shit like, New York dudes bless they blue with a Nas verse. <laughs> they pull on the do-rag strings when they try to get off the bus. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. It was ridiculous. And then Atlanta. Oh my God. All they said every dude from Atlanta do hair and used to be on this. I was like, yo. Yo, the regional slander got out of hand. I'm just telling that, yo, how the shit just got out of hand. It was the funniest. It was the funniest day on Twitter in a long time, yo. It was one of them things that I really had a good time with. So if you could go back into your favorites, go into my favorites as a matter of fact, man. Okay. I'm on Twitter, you street fresh. I'll tweet a lot, but I got a working on, on that. You on Twitter, Danielle? I am. All of my handles are DC Clipper Repair Danielle. All right, DC Clipper Repair. So you got that commercial account. You not you not out there letting those drunk tweets fly, huh? No. 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 <laughs> you gotta let those drunk tweets fly right now and again, Danielle. No. Look. We're going to get you talking, because I know you got some stuff to say about the entire barber game in D.C. And that's really why we are gathered here today, y'all. Like I said, man, it was just a couple of things I just wanted to discuss before we got into the second half of the show. But we're here to talk about the barber game in D.C. right now, where it's been, where it's going, how we got involved as individuals. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot of things that lead a person to this moment in their life when they become a barber. You know what I'm saying? It's like a very interesting convergence of circumstances. Like they used to say it was like a second chance career or like some other, you know, a lot of other euphemisms have been used to describe being a barber. But I think in this particular conversation, we're going to clear all of that up. And we also going to show people how to get in and get money and progress all the goals that you may have because Lord knows that's what I'm doing. I'm living proof, y'all. I got Danielle Strickland here of DC State Barber School and Cosmetology School about to drop knowledge. Let y'all know, one, where she came from, and two, what she doing and where she going. And 
I'm gonna let y'all know how this whole Black Broadway thing ended up being in the barbershop and being a thing that I'm doing at the shop that I'm working at, which is literally like the dopest, most unique situation in, in D.C. And I dare I say like up and down the East Coast, yo, like there ain't no shit like this anywhere else. I ain't seen it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it all, y'all. Episode, whatever, I don't know, man. It's, you know, <laughs> like it's 2016, so we're not counting no this more. Is, uh, episode 51, we're uh, we going backwards. Yeah, we are going backwards. So it's episode 51 out of 52. Homeboys. Black Broadway Podcast. Saturday on Stretch Ray. Homegirls. Holla. Say some of them we wish we never knew at all. Homeboys. Say some of them we wish we never knew at all. Homeboys. And some of them we wish we never knew at all. Homegirls. Say some of them we wish we never knew at all. Homeboys. Say some of them we wish we never knew. Homeboys. Say some of them we wish we never knew at all. Homeboys. It's someone that we wish we never knew. Okay, you feel like friends. It's where we use every day. But most of the time we use it in the wrong way. Friends. It's where we use every day. But most of the time we use it in the wrong way. Friends. It's where we use every day. But most of the time we use it in the wrong way. Friends. It's where we use every day. But most of the time we use it in the wrong way. Don't believe in the love. And this ain't a good thing. Black Broadway <laughs> Podcast. Right. So what you doing? Like, 
because I, I, I wanted to catch what I thought. You know what I'm saying? You out here, you know, Buzz Killington. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, it's Black Broadway Podcast, yo. And we with that, yo, and we talk about, yo, barbering from the real side of things. Like, yo, the things that we have experienced in this game and the and the stuff that we gone through, yo, I just want everyone to understand that there's some super valuable life lessons to learn here. And I want to just really expose us to this, like expose my audience to this. Danielle. Okay. I want you to start off because, yo, Danielle and I, our story, my journey in this whole thing of barbering, which I, I'll get into, I'll break it down, you know, let you know how a nigga like me ended up behind the chair. At a barbershop where haircuts is forty five dollars. I give you, I give you that story. <laughs> We're gonna get into that in a second. You know what I'm saying? Right now, I want you to know a key figure, a, a major key, major key in that story. Danielle got a hell of a story, and I want you to just let these people know, Danielle. What's what? How did you get? First of all, where you from? Where you I'm from? from? I'm from Washington, D.C. Which part? Um, I've lived in three quadrants of the four. All right, cool. So, I'm a Washingtonian. All right. I, um... You live anywhere else but D.C.? Like I live? lived in Utah. What? You li- yes, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake yes. City? Yes. What the, What were you doing in Salt Lake City, dear? My mom I is mean, from Texas, so she moved us there after I turned two years old. And I came back when I was in the fifth grade, and that's when I was really exposed to the real Washington, D.C. All right. So what were you exposed to in Salt Lake? What was that? Well, it was... Um, Everything is supposed to be flowers and roses and smiles when we all really know that's not what it really okay. was. So, a, lot of, a lot of fake shit. A lot of fake. A lot, exactly. a lot of like, like fake uh, Big Love. Like, right. you ever watch that show? Fake. Super fake. Fake. All right. Fake. <laughs> so, so then you come back to D.C. I come back to D.C., uh, get into the public school system. Where you graduate? Where you go to high school? I went to high school in McKinley Tech. I went to Tech. Yes. So <clears throat> what I did was I tried to acclimate. Uh-huh. So coming back and saying things like sack and pop didn't go over well. Okay, y'all. Yeah. Okay. They say pop in, in Utah? Yeah, yeah soda pop. I saw, I saw a whole map about like <laughs> places where they say like soda, like in the South they say like Coke, yeah. like or like cold drink. I remember when I was in New Orleans, they used to say like cold drink. Let me get cold drink, bro. Right. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, a sack is a paper bag, and I would say, "Can I have a sack?" And they look at me what? like, "What?" <laughs> 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 <A> sack. <laughs> Yo, and that can you, go a lot of different ways out here. Right. And you all call what tennis shoes? <laughs> We yeah. call it sneakers. 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 I mean, I, yeah, sneakers. So, yeah. So, um, then uh, I grew up, got into the hospitality industry. All right. Uh, revenue. How did you get into the hospitality? Like, I mean, how did I get into the hospitality industry? I got, I um, got pregnant with my first child, all right. and I went to our government, and once I realized. The poverty I would be in, yeah. 
I decided to get, get a job. That's the one thing, like, Republicans always kill me with that shit, like, acting like being on food stamps is the wave. No. <laughs> That's not the wave, bro. Like, you don't want that money that they giving you. The shit you gotta go through, one, to get it. Correct. Two, the shit that you gotta go through once you get it, that the limited amount of options that you have, yes. it's just not even worth your time and it's dehumanizing. Don't and nobody wanna live it, like it's that. It's the modern slavery. It's slavery. It's like slavery. anybody with any sense will be able to see that nobody wants to live like that. So the people who even try to depict like us as black folks and just as like inner city urban people as like the people that's on that, Nobody that, wants to live like they're that. They're misinformed. So Nobody go ahead. So Nobody wants to live this like is where, This is where that barber hustler spirit comes from. Comes from. from exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, right, so they, they so, try to play you at, at, at the welfare <laughs> office. They so act I, like it's sweet out there. All right. So I ended up in the hospitality industry and doing mm -hmm. revenue, sales, front desk, customer service. All right. And... Like in the hospitality industry, what you mean, like hotels? Hotels, hotels, okay. hotels. Um, right. Shout out to Holiday Inn. Shout out to Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was lit. There y'all, hold up. So, yo, let me get it straight. You was the hookup? I was the hookup. I love this I was shit. The hookup. Yes. Yes. Yo, you know what? You totally <laughs> was the hookup. I, I can see myself standing in front of you right now <laughs> at 2.30 in the morning, like, girl. Like, I, I, how you at? How's your night? You good? Good. Like, so, yes. what's up with this room? Can we can we do something? You be like, you know what? Yeah. We can make, out. let me help you out. It definitely helped I love me. it. It definitely helped me learn how to deal with difficult people. Word. Because some people are difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you were, they most difficult at fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and their room has been given away. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you like, which is another critical skill for being a goddamn barber. Like, one of the most important skills is customer service. That's it. Yes. How to deal with people. How to deal with people. That's that's the game. You you motherfuckers running around here worried about how tight your shape up is. Like, if you can't talk to nobody, it doesn't matter, bruh. Because you can get fired by that client. So right, that client can easily. It happens every. Day. Every day. Every day. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got your shot, but, yo, so continue. We're going to get into all of this. Okay, so uh -huh. um, I was introduced to uh, Clipper Repair, Mr. Sproul. Okay. Shout out again. Shout out to Sproul. That's a Washington, D.C. institution, for real, man. Sproul's Barbershop and Sproul's Clipper Repair. That had been around for, what, like, Years, years. Yeah, 40 some odd years. So you so, came in, you, you got a job there? What happened was the gentleman that used to do the uh, clipper repair passed away. Uh -huh. His name was Paul. Right. And Spruill needed somebody to take over. And um, when I went in, at first he, he was like, you're not going to want to get your nails dirty. <laughs> and I went home. <laughs> And I prayed for three hot days in a row. Hey, I'm serious. Really? Okay. And it was so hot that he called and he was like, are you serious about doing this? And I was like, yeah. Right. So I started um, kind of like an internship. Right. Learning how, to, how, to, how to fix uh, barber hair clippers. Right. 
and retail. What was like the first pair of clippers you worked on? Um, all my bobbins out there. A pair of outliners and I snatched the motor out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the cords out of the motor. Being, okay. Being fast. Being fast. That yeah. little red and that little black cord. There you yeah. go. Okay. And always thinking I knew. I know. Right. I know. So. So, so this happens, you're fucking up people's outliners. <laughs> you're doing that, so now you're working in Sprules, and right. I definitely, I was young in the game then, like, so you're working in Sprules, and this is kind of like around the time when the game of barbering starts changing. When did you kind of decide that you wanted to actually cut hair, and like... Well, I had always I had always been around or known about barbering as a profession, not as a hustle. Right. Okay? Right. And it was someone to look up to and aspire to. Somewhere along the line, the thug mentality came into barbering. Yeah. And so I can tell you, like like when I really like I'm listening and I'm I wanna hear your story and your thing because everybody got a different story and like I'm gonna tell my story okay. and I'm gonna tell you like kind of how like the whole thing started and for real for real it's it, it goes back way deep like a barber is a is a important dude in the community exactly. and it's not even so much about being a gangster it's certain dudes that are gangsters right. and certain dudes that's different type of gangsters, you know, like they might be paper gangsters, like they always right. got the money, or they always might have like, you know, the spot, like they might be running the gambling house or something like that, they, they money dudes, you know what I'm saying, they paper exactly. gangsters, so. But, but I'm talking about the perception. Yeah, so, oh, well, the public perception. The public perception. That's real. Because. Somewhere along the line, exactly. they lost respect for the barbers exactly. like that dude. Exactly. You're right. I, so, some of them did. I never did right. that. But go ahead. So, um, to be able to fix the clippers better, because I'm, I'm also the mechanic, mm -hmm. I thought maybe if I learned how to cut hair, mm -hmm. I would learn how to fix the clippers better because when someone explained to me what the clipper was doing, mm -hmm. I would actually have first-hand knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, I researched and I found out about Roosevelt State, mm -hmm. and it was a... Uh, for DC residents free barbering class. Mm -hmm. So I got into the class. Once I got into the class, I found out that barbering was more than just cutting hair. Okay. Okay. There <laughs> That's was, it's way more to it than yeah, that. There was, it's a lot of other way ways more. you can monetarily um, uplift yourself, but mm -hmm. then also there's a lot of ways that you can spiritually Lift just uplift yourself because of the community and the people that you get to know. It's much more of a, a, a It's much more being a barber is much more of being someone than doing something Correct. Like you know what I'm saying like being a painter is like doing something right. like painters don't have like a specific personality or specific personality traits that they you ascribe to right. a nigga who paints like right. that nigga paints He's a painter. All right, and, and it, I mean, I'm not talking about like artists. I'm just talking about like a guy who just, you know, say would just paint walls or something like that. Right. Those guys are painters. And that's no disrespect to the uh, profession. And I feel the same way. Like a lot of people feel that way sometimes about barbers. They make like this general sweet. Like it's not a job. Like it's not, it's not a hard job. Yeah. Or but the, the fact that you have to be a certain kind of person 
to be a barber. You have to like, be, you a, have to be a certain kind of person. It's just not for everybody. Exactly. It's not just from a skill perspective, but from a, a personality, from a, a, a fit of like who you are as a human being. It has to fit in, in order for you to be successful. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that have certain qualities or certain parts. Yeah, they got they pieces of the puzzle. Pieces of the puzzle. Right. They don't have it all because customer service is first, a people person is second, and then the third thing you have to have Skill. a love. You got and love. A love yeah. And then you have to have the technique. Yeah, I you agree. Know? So without all of those pieces, sometimes things fall short. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and there's and there's been times in my career where I felt like I've I've lacked each and every one of those, and I'm not even going to say like right now I feel like totally complete because on a certain level, like the love ain't did, you know what I'm saying? But we're going to get into that. I want right. to really finish. I want to I want to let people know like your story to okay. becoming from become, and this is. What year are we talk about here? We're talking about nine, uh, 2009, 10. Okay, so we're not even talking about that long ago. No. Like, like you have ascended from working on clippers as an apprentice Correct. to being an instructor of cutting hair. Correct. In a shorter amount of time than I've actually been cutting hair. Well, um, one thing about me is I always re research everything that I do. Yes, you're very so, meticulous. Yes. That's I why am. I let you work on my clubs. Exactly. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Yeah, we love you, Danielle. Come on. I love you, too. For real. Like, we appreciate you. Right. So, um, I found out the, the ways to get your license, mm -hmm. and then the ways to get your managers, mm -hmm. then the ways to get your instructors, mm -hmm. and it all takes getting it in, in the hours, but if you do certain things, there are certain avenues you can take that makes the process a little bit faster right. if you just dedicate yourself to getting each license. Okay. So, so would you say that like when you went about the business of getting your licenses, did you throw yourself into it like fully? Like, did you dedicate a hundred percent of your time? And I dedicated a hundred percent of my time to studying, to learning the craft, to learning everything that was needed. Did you ever do cosmetology, or did you always want to just do barber? Well, I also have my cosmetology hours. Okay. So I'm in the process of getting my cosmetology. But what was like the goal to be a barber or to be a cosmetologist? I think for like me, I think for me, I I I enjoy cutting hair, uh -huh. but I enjoy being a businesswoman more. Okay, so and it was, I it enjoy was to be in teaching. The I enjoy teaching. Mm. So when I say, what do I love? I love owning my own business, and I love children. So mm. I love to teach. Okay, so that's tight. That's a way different trajectory than like you know the traditional like barber trajectory where it's like, yo, I like people, I like cut hair, I like money. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, left the, I left the barber shop with the, after I got my manager's license to, to keep So um, where did you cut hair? I cut hair at Spruce Barbershop, the on, on the Ave, yeah. On Georgia Avenue. On the Ave. Legendary shop. Been there forever. Yes. So um I learned more in the time that I cut in the shop than I've ever learned in school. 
Right? That's so, it, you're right, because that's where the real learning takes place. Real, and that's what made me know I needed to be a teacher. All right, cool. Yeah, no bullshit, right? Because yeah. you see a lot of fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> because you all work so hard, and people don't even understand the personal aspects, the sacrifices you guys make uh -huh. for family. The sacrifices that you make to your loved ones, uh -huh. to yourself, to your body. Uh -huh. um, yeah. It's more than, it's more than yeah. just money because that money still has to pay bills. Okay? So, talk about it. So, I personally did not want to have to cut. 30 heads of hell that wasn't what every day. For. Give me four or five and I'm enjoying myself. Right. I'm talking to my customers. And look, you now, but you now in a position to educate the next generation of dudes who go put in that 30 cut a day work like I did. I put I put that work in. And well, like, yeah, well, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, well, I'm now in a position where and I can teach him that professionalism right. comes first. Exactly. And I'm gonna tell you, the only reason I'm at where I'm at and I am who I am is because I always understood that. Like, like from jump. And like literally like me and Danielle's stories converge somewhere around that point that you're at right now. Right. So I really wanna I'ma tell y'all everything that led me up to that point. Like, I don't know if you even ever heard this, Danielle. I know you probably ain't heard this, drink. Like, this is this is how the fuck it happened, all right? Real talk. I it really, I swear, it started from high school, all right? High school. I'm graduating from high school, right? I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I'm going to go to college, but, you know, I just, I'm confident. I'm, something's going to work out, you know what I'm saying? And it did under the most weirdest circumstances. But that whole summer, my whole goal was to learn how to cut hair. So when I go to college, I can tell motherfuckers I can cut hair and I can make a little bit of money and I can buy my own weed. You know what I'm saying, basically? I ain't like paying for my beers at the parties. I'm lit. I got a couple dollars. I ain't never want to be the broke dude. Right. So I'm like, Yo, Dad, you put me on with a guy, like, I'm trying to get on. Like, my mom and my dad, like, they always, like, supported me on my little, like, flights of fancy. But when I think back, I haven't had many. It's just certain shit I wanted to do, and I was so serious about it that it seemed ridiculous at the time. But, yo, you put me on with Mr. Mason. My dad's, like I said, I said this a few times, a reporter at the Capitol. Mr. Mason is the, the barber, the black barber at the House of Representatives. Dude who gave me my first haircut. First barbershop I ever went to. Got a barbershop on 8th Street. Mason heard hear this from my dad. He's like, all right, cool, I got it. Boom, buy me a box of, uh, you know, barber supplies. I get a pair of outliners, I get a pair of detachable clippers, and I get like a pair of walls or something, like the adjustable joints, a pick, a couple combs. It's lit, right, a couple guards, Okay, cool, go. So like that whole summer, I'm going to the shop every day because you know what's better for me? I'm, I'm like go hang out at the shop with the old heads and like 
They used to send me to the store to run their numbers. I'm like 17 years old. They sent me to the store to go run a number or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I get to watch and learn kind of how to cut hair from the guys at the barbershop. I still not picking up shit because I'm kind of like just in awe of the whole scene. But I, through some miracle of science, I get to go to college. And I'm going to college all the way in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Shout out to Southern University once again. I'm in Southern, I'm in dorms, I got my clippers. It's like, all right, fuck it, let's get it. Like, you know, just telling somebody, like, yo, I, come get a haircut or whatever. Like, I was fucking haircuts. <laughs> I'm terrible. So there's a white dude from New Orleans who was like, yo, man, I see what you try to do. You got good shit. Let me show you a thing or two. Dude from New Orleans showed me a thing or two. First dude who taught me how to, uh, do the shape up with the razor and all that. This is 99, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm at school now, a couple years. I'm just, you know, cutting hair like I'm getting money. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting a couple of dollars. You know, I got money at the bars, at the parties and shit. I'm, I'm having fun in college. Then college comes to an abrupt end. I'm just like, all right, we're done with that. You know what I'm saying? But I got all this education. And shit. So it's like, alright, and I got a couple hookups. I come back home and work on the hill. I'm on the hill. I hate this shit. I don't want to work on Capitol Hill. I just don't I just don't like that whole environment, the whole entire thing. And I had a great time. I met great people. I had great friends up there. But I just it just wasn't for me. So, you know, I quit some shit that most motherfuckers would want to retire from. I walked away. I was just like, nah, man, you know what I'm saying? They was going to fire me anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, definitely, I was walking on firing street. Like, you know what I'm saying? They wanted to get me out of there just because, you know what I'm saying? I just, it was very obvious that I didn't have the same regard for this profession as other people did. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people want to go sit in the U.S. Capitol and not do nothing and get paid. Like, I just didn't want that. And I'm going to tell you, after 9-11, when I was literally in the Capitol on 9-11, it's like, fuck that. So, I leave. I bounce around a little bit. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I'm still young. I'm in my, you know, early days. So, I'm walking around my neighborhood one day. There's this barbershop that, look, the barbershop don't exist no more. The street that the barbershop was on don't exist no more. Literally, they ripped the street up and turned it into a park. And it's a whole other thing right now. It's across the street from Walmart. So anyway, okay. I walked past this barbershop and I, you know, I'm just like, I know this is the neighborhood, trap spot, but fuck it, it's a barbershop and I can kind of do my shit right here, you know? I walked in, I, I told the dude, yo man, I, I got clippers and I cut hair, like, can you fuck with, can you give me a job? And he was like, you know what? Come back tomorrow. I got you. I came back. Literally, this dude allowed me to cut hair in his barbershop, man. A great, great dude. I ain't even gonna say his name because I don't need to say his name. Because literally, this joint was a cold-blooded front. Like, <laughs> like, I was the only barber. He was doing his shit. He ain't worried about it. And the first year I was there, he ain't even charged me no roof rent, nothing. Didn't ask me for nobody. All I needed to do was come to work every day, be like I was there, 
and not ask no fucking questions. And that's what I did. I came to work every day, I chilled, I asked no questions, I did my shit. But I also picked up some clients along the way. And I'm like, damn, man, I might can make some money doing this, you know? At that time, I was also doing my shit, so it didn't matter to me. Like, none of our stuff got in the way of each other. I was cutting hair just so I could, like, tell my mom, like, yeah, I got a job. I'm not, like, wasting my whole day. You know what I'm saying? Then I, then I started to realize, like, oh, shit. I'm like, to turn this into something here. You know what I'm saying? So, time goes on. You know, like I said, the whole first year, he don't charge me boo for it. Like, whatever, you, you cool. You know what I'm saying? Then he come to me one day, he like, yo, man, I decided from now on, you know, you're going to start paying $90 a week. I was like, my nigga, no problem. So, now I'm paying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a working barber now. You know what I'm saying? No license, none of that shit. I'm just, I got enough experience. My man gets luckiest of luck because he's a lucky dude because he's a good dude. Like, some developers came and bought up the whole block. Like I said, the block don't exist no more. Bought up the whole block, gave him a stupid check. He cashed out, sold the antique chairs that was in the shop, all of that flash shit, and got out of Dodge. On his business, everything. Good dude. Got his thing on. I was like, damn, what I'm gonna do? He was like, man, you're gonna be all right. Like, literally, he told me that. You're gonna be all right. I was like, you're right. I went to 8th Street, back to Mason. Mason gave me a job. Mason got me in there, now I'm on 8th Street. I'm hustling. 8th Street busy in these days. It's like the, you know, like 06, 04, 05, 06, 05, 06, right? Like 05 and 06. So I'm working there. You know what I'm saying? I'm, that's where I learned how to be a busy barber. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting money now. But literally, some days I'm lucky if I got enough money to get on the train and get like a, a slice of pizza and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like tight. So I'm like, damn, bro. Like, I mean, I, I got to do something. So, you know, I'm doing it. Like, these dudes at Mesa's, I love them because they gave me my start and fuck it, they gave me my first haircut. They gave me a chance, you know what I'm saying? But they was on some shit where, like, they wanted me to be on time. And I'm like, my dude, I ain't get in this to be on time nowhere. <laughs> That's not my game, so fuck all that. We come back, I, I'm just, we go back and forth about this. Literally, at Macy's is where I grew up. My life changed. I met my, I reunited with my son's mother in front of this place. They see me go through all the crazy young relationship shit, you know, you got your girl sitting in the shop while you cut hair, you're like, yeah, baby, you throw that shit in there. Then, you know, you argue with her full blown in front of the shop, you throw your phone in the front of the street, the X2 hit it, like, oh God, yo, I swear to God, this is true stories, like, I'm not making this shit up at all. Yo, so the X2, like, hits my phone, yes, they see all of this, and they know I'm just crazy in love with this girl, bam, she get pregnant, she about to have a baby. They know all of this, too. Like, two months into her being pregnant, these niggas fired me. It's fired me, son. Like, yo, you always be late, man. I'm still always late. That nigga will be out here. So they go fire me, and they come back with this whole entire, I, I come back, and I'm like, you know what? Thank you. Step off. Go to U Street, where I'm always hanging out anyway. 
shop I always see. I'm like, you know what? Today's the day. I'm walking in there. Let's see what's up. And this is like the trap. This is where all the hustlers at. This is where everybody who I want to be around at that time is at. They can say, come back tomorrow. Bam, I got a job again. Okay, I'm on U Street now. That's I see all the crazy shit in U Street. Like everything, that's where that shit made me. Like my son was born wild early. As soon as I started working there, that changed my life drastically. All the money that I was seeing changed my life drastically. But during this whole entire time, I never forgot like the fact that I was like uh, I, I educated you know, guy who just kind of found himself in a position where he didn't want to play establishment rule employment. And when I was on U Street, I, was, I had all the freedom. I could do whatever the fuck I wanted. And we did whatever the fuck we wanted. And in that time, I developed some relationships and I, and I learned to put that emphasis, like you said, on customer service and dealing with people and building a clientele like organically that like kind of put me in the pocket to like know somebody like you. So now I'm working on U Street, everything's lit, but you know, you knew, you knew about that shop, you know all the characters involved in all of that shit. And of course, shit hit the fan and bam, shop get raided on, on a Friday in the middle of haircuts. I literally get locked up. The whole shop get locked up. Me, like all my co-workers, my girl who's my co-worker, like we all going in. We all get dogged by the police. I mean, they got us in, in the cell, in the paddy wagon outside in the middle of January for like four hours. No heat. It's like, fuck y'all. You know what I'm saying? Locked in the joint with bubs who got bed bugs. It's crazy. So it was crazy. So now we get through all of that, and I say, I can't do this no more. I can't, I can't be in the trap like that. I'm just, I'm just serious about this now. Like, I'm, I'm kind of here. I got my son. I make money doing this. Like, not only do I make money doing this because I'm, I'm good at it. Like I said, the emphasis is on customer service. But I feel like I can go further with this shit. And you were somebody who I knew during that time and who knew about all of that. And Danielle, through the Clippers service conduit, introduced me to L, who is the owner of the current spot that we find ourselves in, the Wise Owl Club. And it just let us, she said, yo, you looking for a guy who's cool and who's intelligent, but also is like got that edge to him that's going to be able to manage your shop and be able to run it. Yo, you gave me the biggest endorsement. Shit changed my life. That's Shit. what I wanted. Yo, changed my life. That's what dude. I wanted. Because regardless of what people see, the way you handled your customers, the yeah. way you treated your, the people that you cut hair set you apart. Thank you. And at every level, though. And, and like that's, at every every level. Level. that's at every level. That's at every because level. Because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I don't care how good you can cut hair. If your professionalism and your uh, customer service is not on, on par, then you're not going to be that good of a barber. Right. So, like, tell people that, you know, like, because you are an instructor even. Like, let's talk about what's the shit that makes barbers, like, whack. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, but what, what people don't understand is, especially new barbers. Yeah. Um, a new barber has to understand that most of the time you're just waiting. Yeah. Most of the time, that's your time to close your mouth and open your eyes and to just respect mm -hmm. the barbers that have been doing this for a long period of time, whether they're licensed or not, mm -hmm. because that's not up to you to make a judgment call on whether or not they're a good barber or not because they're not licensed, because you don't know their story. Right. So the thing I love about Roosevelt State is that it gives you an opportunity to not use money as an excuse. Because the worst thing in the world for a barber that goes to work every day, he builds his clientele, is that he's not doing something, he's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. Right. So customer service does not mean you walk away from your client. Right. So if you have an opportunity and you live in a district to get free Free hours. Free. Free ninety nine. Three thousand. Right. Free hours and work towards becoming a license. It will change your life. Yeah. It will change how you feel about your profession. Yeah. It will change how you feel about yourself. Right. Because there's that, a lot more cats out here cutting hair with no license. And like you just bullshit with yourself. Like literally when I was at Macy's, yo, I ain't had no license when I got there. But by the time I left there, I had got my license just because, yo, first of all, they had us on commission. They was hitting me off with the 60-40. But if I got my license, I could get the 70-30 at least. And I was like, yo, damn, bro, I need that, man. Like, So I had to go get my license just to make a an economic change in my life, son, because I was getting punished. And once you understand, Stan, also, is that college is not for everyone. Yeah, and this is a career, barbering, cosmetology, that you can build your life the way you want to build it. You're going to get money. You and and it, But you got to go to work. You got <laughs> to go to work. Again. You got to go to work. You got to go to work, son. You got to go to work, because if you... If you don't go in that day, yeah. you're definitely going to make zero. But right. if you go in, you may not make any money, but you might meet a new client. Yep. You have no idea that everyone that you meet is a potential client. Uh, and Roosevelt State yeah. can help you change your life. Yo, tell them more about Roosevelt State. What is Roosevelt State? Roosevelt State is it's two parts now. Uh -huh. um, let's talk about the adult part first. You have a adult program where you are a DC resident. Um, all you have to do is call 202-576-8399 and they and our support staff will let you know what you need to bring in so you can enroll. Next enrollment is January 23rd. Okay. And it is a night program, starts at about 2 o'clock, and there's about four classes all the way up until 8 p.m. Right. So. How long is the average class? Like 90 minutes? It's a, yeah, about an hour and a half. Yeah. Right. And um, you work at your own skill level, right. you know. So even if you're a barber that's been working for 20 years and you don't have a license, you can come there and we will get you on the path. Yeah. Now I used to I got work a couple buddies that are actually doing this and taking advantage of this. Yes. Currently. Yes. And mm -hmm. I like I said I got my <coughs> my barber license, my managers and my instructor hours all from this free program. Right. 
So, and then I became a DC public school teacher. Tight. So I, um, I teach the ninth through twelfth graders because we now our school is now has a day school part. Mm -hmm. So I get to them when they're very green, and I get to teach them professionalism, yeah. how to treat the customers. But some of that shit you can't teach, though. Well, like, well, you know. some of it you can't teach because anybody can be trained. Yeah, Anybody can be trained. If they want to open themselves True. up to learn, then they can learn the techniques of how to treat a human being True. just like a human being. Now, do you think it takes... But do you think it takes a certain kind of individual? Like, we were talking about this earlier. Right. Like, you think it takes a certain kind of individual to actually be a barber? To yeah. actually deal yes. with all of the ins and outs have you have to have a very thick skin yeah. because of the people that you deal with because everybody is not a happy person. None. And not all the time are you going to just make a whole lot of money and as soon as you start barbering. Yeah. So it's like anything else. You can't try to miss the struggle yeah. in barbering. I mean, what do you think that people, what do you think that the public has like a big misperception about as it comes to barbers. Because I think they think, think that you all are just in there partying. Yeah. They think that they you do. all... They people think, think this shit is a fucking... A, yes. A blast. Like, I be mean, like, yo, man, you don't know. I do this shit to keep my day going. Like, if I see you and I might be cutting up, trust me, I'm doing that just because I need my day to keep going because exactly. this shit, the monotony of this entire situation will drive you insane. You know and you have to understand, and the public has to understand that you all are people. Yeah. That's what they forget. You have yeah. families, you yeah. want to go home and lay down, sure. and certain things that, that gets to me is the discounted part, and it's like if you worked an hour worth of work at your job and you make $20 an hour and somebody walked up to you and said, right now, I'm only going to give you 10 <laughs> You're not going to be too yeah, happy. Nah, so that's yeah, what you got to think nah, about yeah. when you deal with barbers and you deal with cosmetologists. They can't pay their bills with your appreciation. True indeed. They need monetary compensation. And not only that, like, you know what I'm saying, there's not like a, a benefits package to this no. shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got, you out here really on your own and like, at the end of the day, like, as long as your health hold up, that's as long as you really able to really flourish in this business. So you gotta, like, you have to create all the barbers or anybody who's thinking about becoming involved in this business. Don't think of anything as your sole source of income. You always have to create residual streams. I always yeah. believe that, and I always say this, I say that we are barbers and. Everybody yeah, is day. a barber and. You yeah. have to, You if you're going to just give up your job that's going to give you a um, steady income, you are looking to struggle a lot harder than if you did it just part time. Right. But once you get going and you dedicate your, yourself the first two or three years and you have to have a mate that understands the monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about that a lot. like I do. Like, because Bob is like, it's always like a funny online joke, like Barbers is top five savages, like yeah. we just be out here just womanizing, like I'm not even, I'm not here to confirm or deny that. All I'm saying is that at the end of the day, like, there's a whole lot involved in being a person 
whose job it is to deal with people yes. that intimately. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So You become the social worker. Yeah, you become, you become a whole different yes, person. Yes. And like sometimes it's so hard to turn that shit on and off. Like it'd be days where I don't know if I'm at work or if I'm like, you know what I'm saying, just chilling. Like when somebody walks into a door, it's like, hey, what's up? Like, I might not even know that motherfucker, but it's just like, that's just kind of my instinct. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, the barbering profession, it, it takes a certain kind of personality to, like, flourish in that. And there's a lot of people out here that I feel like would be good at it. Because a lot of people out here, like, they hate their job. They hate the fact that they sit at a desk and, like... Just, you know, look at a screen all day. Like, but, every, but every every job profession has mm -hmm. its woes, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But it's just, a, it's just a different category. I feel overwhelmingly positive about what the fuck I do, like, right. to be honest. And that's another like, thing. If you're not a positive person and you don't like yourself or you don't like people... You, you, can't you can't do this. You can't do this because the money, the money, you'll just be miserable. Yeah. You'll be miserable. You actually have to like yeah. talking to people. And that's the thing, like, people, I can't lie. I I wanted the money, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I just, I wanted the money from, from jump. Right. Now, when I first got there, like I said, my bad B, he wasn't even charging me booth rent, so boom, we just doing it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm just getting a little bit of money every day, and I'm, like, feeling how that feels. You know what I'm saying? Just to know that this is, like, my little hustle. Then I got to pay out to keep my hustle going. And I'm like, all right, I like that, too. Right. But then I learned that, oh, there's a whole nother level to this, which is, like, actually building relationships. And building like, yourself a brand And yeah, becoming like a, a, a an brand. entire business. Mm -hmm. And that's the level that a lot of people need to understand that you gotta get to. Like, this, this whole podcast is like an extension of that. I wouldn't be able to do this if I hadn't really been professionally talking shit for the last 10 <laughs> years. Like, that's what I do occupationally. Like, I, wherever I'm at, it's lit. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm not coming to work to be bored. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I'm not going to come to work and we not going to have, like, an interesting conversation. And I'm not stupid. So we not going to talk about, you know, love and hip-hop or not the this, that, or whatever. But just, you know, right. we not going to approach the same old regular, everyday humdrum shit. So I feel like a lot of young barbers, they need to really develop that personality and persona and know who they are. And, and they have to get the right fit. Yeah, you got to be in the right situation. Every barbershop has a life's breath. Yeah. So you got the hipsters, you have the. A lot of people that's clients, they know that. Like, exactly. you know, a lot of I, a lot of guys who listen to, to this podcast maybe be like, yeah, you know, I might come to this barbershop, but I wouldn't fuck with that barbershop because I don't like the way this feels or that feels. Like, right. for black people, like this is a very serious thing. Like you know, what I I'm think saying? for I think for I think for everyone, the intimacy that you and and what you put in the person's hands mm -hmm. for the next two weeks, yeah, you you're gonna be wearing that haircut you're about to True. get. So I think I think white people take it differently, yo. You like, think so? I, and, and here's the thing, like like I haven't really spoken too much about this. Like I kind of cut the story off before that, but okay, I work at right now literally like the epitome of the 
quote unquote gentrification barbershop. You know what I'm saying? Like this is it. Like in a nutshell right here. This is where people who for the most part just moved to Washington DC and like this ain't no diss to nobody. If you don't like it, I don't really give a fuck. But these is facts. You know what I'm saying? This is where people for the most part just moved to Washington DC come and they get a haircut that's I won't say it's stupid expensive, but it damn sure ain't cheap at $45 and have an experience, you know what I'm saying? That kind of reminds them of like a urban, but yet really cool and uh, <coughs> artisan barbershop where there's a high level of skill being practiced, but it's also so cool that we're <coughs> listening to Red Man and Wu-Tang and whatever the fuck we're listening to, which is true. Fuck that, we're listening to Pimp C. We're listening to, you know what I'm saying? All but you also stuff. seem to give them their money's worth. Oh, definitely. That's on the a, part that I like. On a, on a, on a, on a quality <coughs> basis, it's no question that we banging out some of the best haircuts in Washington, D.C., but I don't think that that's the draw. The draw is the environment. The draw is this. Ambiance. Yeah, it's this. You know what I'm saying? So I, we see and all they, of this. And they, and they come because just like, and this is why I told you, I don't think there's a difference because they come for the experience. Right, but we don't come, we ain't coming for the experience. Then we come for the shape up. No, no. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like. No, let me tell you what I'm I'm just doing. a, I, but I'm a barber though, so okay. I might look at it different. Okay. When I was cutting hair, uh -huh. and I was taking my time to close my mouth and open my eyes, mm -hmm. when people came into the barbershop, and they brought their kids into this barbershop, mm -hmm. it was like handing down a lifelong tradition. No, absolutely. That's true. So One of the biggest <coughs> things about this thing that I like is like, man, watching kids grow up. <coughs> I've seen so many people graduate from high school and college and move to New York and get married and... Yada yada yada, woo -woo. like I just seen it all. Like so, I think that that's really like a cool a part of this profession. But I think like black people, and I think that that doesn't really happen in gentrified Washington D.C. It's just not a, a real thing. You know what I'm saying? It seems like a lot of times like people just come to the city and they're like, all right, yeah, I'm gonna get a haircut. Here because it seems cool, and mm -hmm. I mean, all right, that, but that kind of takes the heart out of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's more like you gotta come to something because you feel like an attachment to it. If that's the way I look at it, but I know it's cold business, and trust me, I'm a beneficiary of it, so I'm not complaining that much. But I just want to say that like that this thing has a lot more heart <coughs> than that. Like yeah. being a real barber and like being a, having a barber shop in D.C. and like being involved in this business, it, it has a lot more emotional gravity to it. And as clients, I know a lot of people appreciate like the emotional gravity and the connection to their barbershop. Like you ask the average black man who they fuck with, like their barber is like <laughs> top ten dudes. Like it's my guy. Exactly. Like yo, I'm I got dudes, I got clients that I was oh, never not cut their head. He's your guy or your lady. Or, or your lady, yeah, like, you yeah. know, you're right, you're right. Okay. There you go, you're right, okay. you're right. I know, because I know some super tight female barbers, so, yeah, like, but, you know, I feel like that's something that a lot of people, you know, should take into account when, you know, you're considering this profession, either on the, you know, occupational end 
on the end of like just being like a client and picking a barber, picking a barber shop. You know I what think saying? I think that people should understand that. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to just think that there's negatives to it because there's definitely positives. Mm -hmm. But I want you to understand that number one, it's not easy. Nope. Number because if it was, everybody would do it. True. Okay. Number two, it is some people's solace. It's where they go <laughs> to vent is where they go to just be around other people that they've been coming to see for years. That we can relate to. So, I always yeah. say one of my big things, one of my big sayings is that the barbershop as a sociological experiment is unparalleled. Because where else are you going to literally have a room where it could be a dude who just came home from doing 12 years right next to a doctor, right next to a high school student, Right next to a recent college graduate, you know what I'm and saying? They like, all and they exactly the same. exact same. They're you here for the same reason? Have a seat, my dude. I'm gonna get with you in a second. You know I need what I'm my right, and that's and that's kind of like right. it, it's kind of like a big. I think it's a really big uh, bridge to cross. You know what I'm right. saying? It's it's a big equalizer. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a big equalizer, and. Like the barbershop, like tradition, I think it needs to stay intact. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the only thing I think that needs to change about the barbershop industry is we have to come together as a barber community. I agree. And I think that we have to, there's, a, there's enough income mm -hmm. out there for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the crab in a barrel mentality has to stop. True indeed. You know, and like it's a lot of cats out here that want to get into the game, and if how are we gonna have new blood in the game if you know people are still being like that? So tell them again, there, you know, how they can get into this thing, and like how everybody can help each other. Like how can you? How can you help? First of all, well, um, I teach ninth through twelfth graders. Right. So if you have a ninth through or ninth through twelfth grader that wants to do this, then Roosevelt stay and they need to get their high school diploma also because I'm doing it as an elective. At the same time, at right? The same okay, time. not like as a prerequisite no, to get in. No. Okay, okay, good. at the same time because right. well, I'm teaching under twenty four, under twenty two to twenty four. Alright, okay. Now for anybody that's twenty four or twenty two and twenty four and older. They need to go to the night class. Uh -huh. But if this is something that they really want to do, most of the time, money is the issue. Yeah. You know, and this shit free. And if you're sitting at home listening to this and you did nothing all day, classes are Monday through Thursday. It's an hour and a half class to change your life. To change your whole life. Right. And you can have the whole entire gamut of experiences. Yo, I can, we can run down hours of barbershop stories. I mean, like, shit. Exactly. That I can, can fill up a goddamn reel-to-reel -reel with the amount of stories that I got from the barbershop. But the fact of the matter is, it's a life well-lived, and there is definitely some money in it. And you can definitely have a platform to, like, 
recent people. That's but, kind of what brought us here. But what happens in the barbershop, when I say barbers are barbers and you get barbers and innovators. Yep. You get barbers and barbershop owners. Word, barbershop like, managers. Yep. You get people that is so many facets to the barbershop Absolutely. world. Barbers and educators. Barbers and educators. Yep. Barbers and clipper repair. No doubt. You know? So it's, it's so much money to be made and we all Somebody was making a point about that, like as it relates to anything, yo. For yes. real, that's kind of how we gonna ride this thing out. For real, like as it relates to anything, y'all. We got a lot of smart dudes that grow up in the hood and other places. You know, what I'm saying role play, whatever. That think it's like only one way out. Like there's so many different routes out of this whole shit that we find ourselves in. And you can't make a machine. They've tried. They put little holes. Yeah. To try to cut your hair. Yeah. Nobody can take the human experience away. And, and, away. and just like that's the case in barbering, that's the case in so many things. All you have to do is sit down and develop your mind and, and look and see. Make it happen. Right. Where, where can the human touch? Where am I unique at? We all got special talents. We all got special skills out here that make us able to do a lot of different things and we just got to get in touch with it. Like barbering, like doing hair. Listen, my pops always said, man, the great thing about hair is it always go Look back. back. <laughs> so, even, when, even when it doesn't, yeah, yeah. your hair still comes. You still got to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? So give us so, that information again. Okay, so it's Roosevelt State. It's located at 4400 Iowa Avenue, Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Telephone number is 202-576-8399. You also can go to Twitter and at Roosevelt Stay. At Roosevelt Stay. And yeah, so I mean, you can even you can even go to Google and just put in Roosevelt Stay DC and you'll you'll find it. There's no excuses. It's all over my feed. And if you don't live in DC. Then look through your local jurisdiction and try to see if they have a similar program. And there's a lot of these type of programs out here. See, the government try to put one over on us. They put all this shit out here and they don't tell nobody. And then they snatch it away right when people start to find out and say, yo, you wasn't using it. Nobody took advantage. They didn't advertise it. They didn't let people know what's out here. Black Broadway, we letting y'all know, man. Well, we do. I've been, I've been telling you guys since 2009. Yo, tell them your Instagram again. It's DC Clipper Repair Danielle's. That's it. That's it. All right, DC Clipper Repair Danielle's. Yo, Danielle, thank you so much. I appreciate for coming being through here. and being on the show. That shit was crazy. We had a great time. Yo, we gotta look before I get out of here. I got one last thing that I'm trying to introduce to the audience. Two last things. Hold up, Dave. I'm going to let you get your thing off first. What, what is it? Well, yours is the book. Right. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I got my, I got my things. Okay. I got it. Okay. I'm lined up out here. Okay. I'm going to ride this thing out smoothly. Okay. All right? So, first thing. At Black Broadway, we strive to, like, bring you innovative, you know, ways to get you know, involved in what we do. Innovative ways to, like, interact with us, yo. And important shit. And one of the big things I want to kick off the year with and want to make sure that there's an impetus on is real simple, but it's real major. 
Read, motherfuckers. Read a book. Not a tweet. Not a magazine. Not an Instagram caption that might happen to be two paragraphs long. Read a whole entire book. And we at Black Broadway really want to start the Black Broadway Book Clubs. Like, is that what we go with? It's on the poppin'. Black Broadway Book Club, all right? And within Black Broadway Book Club, we want to bring y'all, like, some, some real knowledge, something that you can hold on to. So the first book that we're going to put y'all on to is something that I feel like there's no way your quality of life can decrease by reading this, you know? It's, it's not a long read. It's something that you can get into and get absorbed in and really walk away from with some really, really, really important life lessons, you yes. know? This book is called The Alchemist, alright? Yeah. It's a novel. It's a story about a young boy on a journey, All the journey. to find himself, yo. For real. Like, to find out who he is and what he's supposed to be doing out here. Like, there's, there, these are questions that need answers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, here we are. It's fucking um, The Alchemist. It's a great book. Is by an author named Paulo Coelho. Coelho. Paulo Coelho. He's Brazilian. It's a, it's a dad. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope I'm really, really close. Like, if I'm really, really close, I'm good. But I, at the end of the day, that was a great, great read. It's something that I really want everyone that's in the audience of Black Broadway to take the time to listen to and check out. I mean, pardon me, read and check out. You can get it on your Kindle. You can get it on your iPhone. You can yep. get it on your Android. You can go to an old-fashioned bookstore yeah, and actually buy a book. Yep. It, picture that. Cheap. I mean, what? I, I think I copped it in physical form for like $6.99, yeah, something cheap. like that. I don't know. It wasn't a whole bunch of money. At the end of the day, it's a great book. It's going to enhance who you are. It's going to enhance your mission for 2016. We trying to enhance your life. So if you read this book, we're going to be putting out various trivia questions via social media yes. during the course of this entire month, the rest of January and the first week of February. We're giving y'all four square weeks from the, from, the book. from the book. It's four square weeks to get hip, to yep. get on. At the end of this, we're going to have a prize package for the person who gives us the best feedback that answers these questions the most consistently and gets it popping. And, like, look, we spent some money on, I spent some money on this, <laughs> all right? Like, I'm going to get y'all right out here. You, you know what I'm saying? This is all in the effort to, like, engage. I'm going to get y'all fed right. I'm going to get your gear game up. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get everything right for you out here. Yeah, man. We're going to give you some Black Broadway swag so you can walk around with your appropriate Black Broadway representations, your pens, your lighters. You know what I'm saying? What else you say, Brent? What, what do we got to do? David Bowie. Brent. Oh. David Bowie. We got... Look, look y'all be thinking I forget shit. Like, <laughs> I don't forget. Like, I'm, I'm on this shit. I'm just trying to wrap this whole entire segment up neatly. So... With, I, with that being said, we have a great prize package for everybody that dares and that challenges themselves to read a book. If you already read it, go back, remember the details, refresh get refresh your memory, get with us. And everybody that responds and that corresponds with us 
around this masterpiece of literary work and something that's very important for you know you just get up on top of we got a really great prize package for our biggest respondent and we just want to let y'all know that we appreciate y'all you know what I'm saying we out here giving you know what I'm saying all we want is responses that's all we want is engagement so we out here giving and it's going down and like I like I said and like I was reminded just now I'm on top of it. And I just want to make sure before we ride this thing out, we mention the greatness that is and that was David Bowie, man. R.I.P., bro. That guy, man, was one of the first super weird dudes with swag <laughs> that I could ever remember recognizing as that, as a young man. I was like, yo, this dude don't give a fuck. He's weird as shit, but... Look at it. That's his mom. That's his wife. Yep. And he's had so much swag. Like, and for my mom to tell me, like, that, like, in the 80s, and when I was a kid, my mom was like, yeah, David Bowie, he been out. That's, that's old. I used to rock with that. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the 90s, we was just talking, what's that joint? Uh, I'm afraid of America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that, yeah. that's that MTV Bowie that we grow up, grew up with knowing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I was a little kid, I was aware of like Ziggy Stardust and all of that. Like I was aware of that, you know what I'm saying? But like as an adult, like just to know that like Space Oddity is one of my favorite songs in the world, you know what I'm saying? Like to understand that like when I hear we can be heroes, I, I would punch somebody in the face. Like the Yo, when you, when you hear less dance, you want to say, Bear around the world, and I, 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 I. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and just to know that Bowie actually worked with Diddy and actually got that off, man. And not only that, man, but a solid human being, man. A dude who really stood up for people and, man, represented for a lot of positive things in the time that he was giving on her. And what more can any of us ask So RIP David Bowie, man. I'm not going to be in this show, man. You know who's Dr. Dr. Weldon, but yeah, you know what I'm saying, but at the end of the day, we do got four of our Black Broadway Podcast. Yeah.